Amen. It is a great thing to worship the Lord, church. And I want to encourage you all the time. Worship Him whenever you can. You don't have to greet together, meet together to worship Him. You can worship Him on the bus. These days you've got plenty of room on the bus to do that. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's great to be together as a church, although I'm with you, you're not necessarily with me. I'm wondering whether or not I should be looking into cloning to get around to all the houses. Do you, do you understand cloning? Me neither. That makes two of us. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, that was the joke. I've been working on that joke all week. So I hope you enjoyed it. You got that for free? <laughs> uh, well, we live in interesting times, don't we, church? And uh, I must admit, I've been looking forward to this day where I'm able to share this word with you. Uh, a real revelation, I believe, the Holy Spirit has shared with me, really as about the direction of our church. And uh, if you're not part of our church and you're joining us on the live stream, you are so welcome. Um, this word is word directed at the, as our church, but it's also directed at every Christian, every believer. So I hope it blesses you. And we have people zoning in from, or zoning in, yeah, from all over the world. And um, yeah, it's fantastic to have that. The church is amazing. The devil tries to take out the church through some disease and it tends to spread. The church tends to, you, you can't crush the church. The church continues to spread, which is amazing. I, I think it's wonderful. The other day I was uh, seeking the Lord, contemplating on what is the church gonna look like? When this is all done and dusted with the COVID disease um, or the virus, what, what are we gonna, what's it gonna be like? What's the church? And I started praying and I started writing things down and I felt the Lord speak to me and stop me. I felt the Lord say to me, Rick, to assume what I am doing and what it's going to look like is to be arrogant. And I stopped straight away, I thought, whoa. He said, Rick, I'm not showing you that far ahead yet. I'm not showing anyone what I'm doing. I just need you to follow me. And I, I felt this real um, peace come on me when I felt, you know what, we just have to follow the Lord. For me to assume what I'm going to see built as a church, the model of church, is to be arrogant because I had some things in my mind and so I've dropped all those now because I just want to follow the Lord. You see, COVID will run its path. Who knows, we have no control over it finishing. We have no control on the end. We, we, we have to abide by restrictions, that's who we are, because that's what the church does. We, we actually do that when it's legal. And um, so we, we're actually going, we have no contemplation on it, but for us to sit back and just stay stagnant and lament about what it used to be like, that's not the bride's way, that's not what the church does. It's not right for the church to sit back and complain. That's not what the church does. It never has. Back in the day when Rome was oppressing the church, it didn't sit back and complain. The church just continued on. That's the bride's way, even through hardship. And here we are, we're living in a time now where we have a lot of hardship. But the bride's way is to continue to walk forward, continue to take responsibility for its time and the purpose of the church on the planet. That's what it's about. You know what? I don't have the answers. 
I don't know what church will be like in 2021, but the Father does. He has a plan. He's always had a plan. And I think we can be comforted as a church that he has an incredible plan and he's chosen us to be part of it. That's exciting and I love it. In Luke chapter five, Jesus is sharing a message of some sort, a teaching in someone's house and all of a sudden parts of the roof start falling in and, and this paralyzed man is being lowered through the roof, comes down and lies before him. His friends got him there. And Jesus heals his, or first of all, he forgives his sins and then says, mate, take up your mat and walk out of here. Go home. This paralyzed man picks up his bed and walks out a miracle. And there's these Pharisees who were there. These religious synagogue goers were there. And they said, this is not right. Who are you to forgive sins? You can't do this. Later on, Jesus is walking past a tax collector's booth. Matthew or Levi is in that booth. Jesus turns around and says to him, follow me. Matthew leaves his booth and starts following Jesus. And that night, they're at Matthew's house having a feast with a whole bunch of people from all different walks of life. Probably not the greatest occupations that you know, most people think about. Pharisees come by and says, who is this man who eats with sinners? He shouldn't be doing that. Jesus said, hey, it's, it's not the healthy that need the doctor. Later on, Jesus in Luke chapter five, Jesus is criticized because his disciples don't fast. His disciples aren't doing what should be done of people who fear God. Why aren't your disciples doing this? This is all in Luke chapter five. And it's interesting, I, I I used to get very critical of the Pharisees, but when you think about it, it was the way it always was. To have a man who they've never seen before say, I can forgive your sins, that's radical. That's new, that's what? No wonder they reacted to it. To see a man who's meant to be a biblical teacher sitting down with sinners and tax collectors having a feast, what? what what's he doing? Of course, because their mindset was not there. It's unheard of. Of course they reacted. And of course, fasting was a part of being a follower of a teacher and Jesus' followers weren't doing it. They weren't doing it the old way anymore. And of course, the Pharisees criticized, wrongly so, but I have a bit of empathy for them because it wasn't new to them. It, was, it, oh, sorry, it wasn't the right way. It was all new and they did, weren't coping with it and, in Luke chapter five, verse 36, Jesus says this to them. No one tears a piece of, out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. Verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. That's what the Pharisees were saying. They were saying the old is better. Don't bring the new. You see, I believe right now God is bringing new wine into the world. He's pouring it out right now. 
and he's looking for wineskins to carry it. I think God is moving like never before. I think he's reaching out. I think his spirit is reaching out to people who have never experienced him before. I know some people who once walked away are walking back to God because of this time in which we live is so unsettling. There's so many people looking for supernatural answers in the world because they can't find natural answers right now to the anxieties and the confusion that they feel in the world. They're reaching out for something beyond what they can see. God is doing something new in the world. He's doing something beyond our boundaries of what we think he could do. I think he's asking this church, church, would you be the wineskins? What I am seeing also, I'm seeing in a lot of Christians, a new passion within them to find a way to express God's love to others who have never experienced it. That's exciting. That's, that's what I'm seeing a lot more of. And I can't help but think this is the new wineskin. This harbours, this grabs in, this contains the new wine that God's pouring out so it can be carried to those who are thirsty. So I asked God, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Once he said to me, Rick, don't be arrogant. So what are you doing then? What is it for the church? Where do you want your church to be? What do you want us to do? And he simply said, Rick, the church is my wineskin. Carry me, carry what I'm doing so that the world can see what's happening. Do you know the history of our church? It's a great wineskin. Oh, it's an amazing one. It has carried what was very new wine, especially in the Hawkesbury and since beyond there, so well. In fact, I love the taste of that wine. It is vintage. You can't get better. Not, 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 not that I've tasted before. It's, it's amazing. The church experiences I've had all through my life has been amazing. A beautiful wine, vintage. And you think there cannot be any better than this. But the thing is, when God starts pouring new wine, let me tell you, the latter wine is better than the previous wine. Always, when it comes to God. Just look at the wedding at Canaan. When Jesus made new wine, it wasn't just cheap wine. It was the best wine. Translate the metaphor into another thing. The latter rain is better than the previous rain. Said that on a very rainy day in Sydney. The new wine, it's something, I don't think that beautiful old wineskins that we've had for years, I'm, I'm assuming that they're probably not gonna be adequate to contain the new wine that God wants to pour out. So what is it? What, what can we do? Because we've gotta get the new wineskins. We've gotta become the new wineskins. Because if not, as it says when Jesus wrote it, or what Jesus said in Luke chapter five, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. We lose the skin and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. The wine gets lost and the wineskin is ruined. I don't want that to happen. So church, right now we're thinking new wineskins, what is that? I think we need to think both as a church but also as individuals. As an individual, you are the church as well. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You contain Him. You, no, you don't contain Him, but He comes into you and He lives within you. This new wine, what God wants to do, He wants to do it through you. So every individual as well is the new wineskin. 
So what does this new wineskin look like? Remember, to assume what the church will look like next year is to be arrogant, Rick. I don't wanna be arrogant. So in prayer, I start saying, God, what is it? And he reminded me of the word he gave me at the end of last year for this year. In prayers around November, I like to seek the Lord and, and October, November, and I'm just seeking the Lord and he gives me this scripture, Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 and 16. So in February, we have Vision Sunday, not knowing about the year that's about to hit us. So I preached this scripture and, and, um, and the Lord reminded me of that and I thought, you know what? He's speaking this right now. This is the beginning of the new wine, how to handle it. This is how we become the new wineskins. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Who would have thought how pertinent that scripture would have been back in February for this year? We live in extraordinary days which... Oh my goodness, you could classify it as evil, very sick. And it's not good for people. It's been very difficult for a lot of people and that's the year we've been in. In this time, how do we navigate this time and how do we walk this journey as new wineskins? I think God's forming new wineskins for his new wine. How do we do it? First thing there, it says there, walk circumspectly. Circumspectly basically means careful. Being careful, make sure you walk with your eyes up. Make sure you're looking for the next step. Make sure you're doing what needs to be doing. As a church, we walk a journey. As Christians, we walk a journey, a hero's journey. That's what we do. And um, it's, it's, Christianity is not so much a destination, although there is a heaven waiting for us. It's much more of a journey. And the bride needs to become who the world needs it to be, so God puts it on a journey. Every Christian needs to become who your family needs you to be, who the generations need you to be, who the world needs you to be. So therefore, he puts us on a journey of growing. He places us on a path. In fact, I think God right now is laying pavers. And he wants to put one paver down for us right now. And he wants us to step onto it as a church. That's what I think he's doing. Our role is to walk carefully upon those pavers. Psalm 37, 23 says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 119, 105, a very popular scripture says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Your word, Lord, is that, the, the psalmist wrote, your word lights up my path. And I got an image of this as God told me I was arrogant for considering what the church must look like. He said, Rick, I'm gonna show you a pathway and I'm gonna lay one paver at a time with my word. I'm gonna shine my word and through my word, as I speak to you, I'm gonna show you what the next step is. I think that can be applied to each individual's life as well. What is God showing you? What is God's word revealing to you? You know, I remember someone said to me, oh, you don't have to read your Bible to go to heaven. That's probably true. But you need to have his word in your life so you know how to work the journey. So if you're not reading your word, start reading your word. Getting God to speak to you is the most amazing way to live. And as he speaks to you, it's a living word, it's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between marrow and bone. That's what it actually is for. 
the Word of God. His Word lights up our next step and shines and we move forward as a church. So what is God speaking to you about? As an individual and as churches, what is God speaking to us about? I remember I'd just gone on to full-time ministry as a youth pastor under Pastor Jack Haynes, a great man of God, and, and um, I'd only been in there about a month. And I'm getting dressed, ready for bed one night. It was a Tuesday night. And uh, I had this, this experience where I felt like God was speaking to me very abruptly. So what is that? He said to me, there's a man who was on staff who was actually committing adultery. I thought, whoa, what a, what? what? <laughs> this is many years ago. And I talked to Naomi. I said, honey, I feel God's saying this. Well, you need to talk to Pastor Jack. So the next morning I'm getting, going off to church to work and I pull into the driveway and there's Pastor Jack getting out of his car. So I, I run up to Pastor Jack. I said, Pastor Jack, Pastor, can I see you? He said, oh, Rick, I needed to see you. I've had to step such and such down because he, he's been committing adultery and he's not repenting of it. Pastor Jack, I was about to tell you that I had a word for that. I couldn't believe it. What the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, I heard his word. I actually heard it. And I didn't have, I didn't have a clue. The very following week, it was a Tuesday night getting ready for bed. That same voice starts speaking to me again. It's not an audible voice, I wish it was, but it's something that a yearning with inside of me. And he says to me, there's some changes you need to make within your youth structure of the youth ministry, otherwise you'll, you'll lose the youth. Now, do you know what? I knew that voice and I knew it was accurate. I understood his word. He shone a light. I get onto the scriptures and through his scriptures, he begins to confirm with me exactly what he's trying to say to me. God is speaking. I make those changes and our youth gets blessed. We don't lose the youth. What's he saying to you? Is your ear ready to hear it? Are your eyes reading it? Because that word, we've got to walk carefully. We just don't run ahead. So many churches have just run ahead. I don't want to run ahead. I want to make sure we've actually got this right. I want to make sure that we're, we're living our lives, listening to his word and letting him shine up each paper of our path. Naomi and I have done this all of our married life. Buying houses. You know, working things through with our children. Having, you know, raising our children. We do it according to the word of God, what God's showing us. I remember the Lord showing us that scripture. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Ephesians chapter six, I think it is. And I thought, wow, that, that really guided us in how to do parenting. And um, so the word guides you and directs you. We've got to walk circumspectly, walk carefully. If you're not reading your word, you're actually walking blind, allowing God to take you in this time. So how do we step forward carefully? It says there, in the next part of the scripture, it says, not as fools, but as wise. I read this as not with human thinking, but with God's thinking. How do we get that? Proverbs 15, 24 says this, the way of life winds upward for the wise. You know what? We would love life to just shoot forward, wouldn't we? Just climb that mountain straight up. But that's not what the word says. The word says the way of the wise or the way of life winds upward for the wise, winds. And I think it's a learning process of understanding how to walk wisely according to God's voice and not foolishly according to man. James 1 says this, 
Verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed in the wind. You see, God's wisdom is way beyond human reasoning. This is not a time for reasoning. It's a time to walk in faith with the wisdom of God. Wisdom is a gift of the Spirit. Have you noticed that? We get hooked up on these gifts of the Spirit sometimes as something that gets displayed from a pulpit, but I don't think that's necessarily what they're about. The gifts of the Spirit are what you see operating out of someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of them is a word of wisdom. You've got words of knowledge. You've got words of prophecy. You're speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles and healings. You've got a whole bunch of gifts there and I don't think they're even complete. I think there's probably a lot more that the Holy Spirit does through us. And I think what we need to do as Christians and as a church is learn to walk every day with that gift, with those gifts, looking for those gifts like a tool belt. All these gifts, oh, here's some wisdom. I need some wisdom. So I'll ask God for the wisdom and in faith believe that he's giving me the wisdom for that. I think if we do that, we understand that we actually walk as wise, not foolish. I remember my father-in-law many years ago, he was my senior pastor and um, great man, Rob Thornton. He shared with the, I remember it was the leaders meeting and I don't know how I even got in there because I don't think I was a leader. But I remember him sharing a vision that he had of a, it was like a field and there were pastors with windmills all over this field and it hadn't been wind for ages. But there was a prophecy of there's new wind coming. And someone would say, oh, it's coming from this way. So everyone would move their windmills to face this way. But no wind came. And then some would go this way. Or another man would say, oh, I think it's coming this way. So they'd all move their windmills to face this way. Another one would go, no, I think God's doing this. So they'd all move their windmills. But he didn't. He stood still. And God was showing him, stay still. Don't listen to man. Listen to the Holy Spirit. So he sets his windmill to the direction in which the Holy Spirit told him to. Wisdom. And then the wind came and too many others got late to turn their windmills to the right direction, but he had his windmill because God gave him the cheat, if you like, of the direction of the wind. Asking his wisdom, asking him to show us, Lord, I need your wisdom. You've been empowered with the Holy Spirit with wisdom. I think many Christians don't walk it because they don't have the faith to do that. Would you walk out in faith with this one? Ask God for wisdom and then believe that he's given it to you. Hey, parents, when you're parenting your children, ask God for the wisdom. There's sometimes you need the wisdom of Solomon to parent your kids. <laughs> True? You get the wisdom of Solomon and have faith to know that God's given it to you. Then you'd walk that journey as wise, not as foolish. Ask him and he will bring it to you. Like I said, it's not, a, it's not a time for reasoning, church. Now is not a time to sit down trying to work it out with human thinking. It's a time to go, God, I need your wisdom on this. What are you doing right now in my family? What are you doing right now in my life? What are you doing right now in our church? It's not a time to lament and think, oh, I wish this, I wish that. No, no, because the new wine is pouring out and the new wineskins are being formed. It's our time to react to his word and to react with wisdom and with faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Come on, church. We're a faith-driven church. We're a church that operates in the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What is God saying to you about your neighbor? Is your neighbor suffering in silence and God wants to share a word of knowledge with you? If we're listening with wisdom, we're listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, he begins to share with us things that we can react to his word carefully and with faith. What do we do as a church as we take these steps? Well, the next part of the scripture is walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for they are evil. Redeeming the time. You know, Paul uses the word redeemed four times in the New Testament. Twice he's talking about how Christ has redeemed us. He's paid the price for us. We belong to him now, which is fantastic. But the other two times here in Ephesians and also in Colossians, he actually changes that word slightly and changes the meaning of it slightly as well. It basically means to make the most of the present opportunity. In other words, to take full advantage of the buying opportunity is the way to describe that word redeemed in Ephesians chapter 5. To, make the, or to take full advantage of the buying opportunity. In other words, you've got a deal here. Get all the money you can and buy it. Take the opportunity. Don't sit down. Don't think, oh, what about this? No, 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 no. Get out there and do it. Do what you can to take hold of this situation because the days are evil. The church has an opportunity. That's what he's saying. Now, in Ephesians, I'd say the days are evil. I, my guess is that the Romans were persecuting the church. They were having, it was around about 60 AD. 70 AD really hit a highlight of persecution, but 60 AD, it was really tense. They would have been having a hard time. I'd say the Jews would have been giving them a hard time as well. They would have felt oppressed. And Paul's saying, hey, these evil days, they were probably had to meet in homes instead of buildings. They probably could only be restricted to so many people. And Paul says, take advantage of these times. Take the mo make the most of this buying opportunity. Of course, these days are really challenging right now. Well, that could be applied not only in the first century, but in the 21st century in our life right now. What are we doing with these opportunities? Not sitting back wishing for better times? No, this could be as good as it gets. Who knows? This could be the end. Who knows? All I know is when the Saviour comes, I want to be working hard knowing, knowing that his church is shining, redeeming the time, making sure we're taking full advantage. You think about the times we live in, droughts, fires. I heard there's a terrible locust plagues in parts of the world right now. Never, never before seen such locust plagues happening right now. It sounds very biblical. Viruses and violence in the world right now. It's incredible everywhere. What are we doing about that church? We can sit back, fold our arms and say, that's not right. Or we can take this opportunity. We can take this opportunity with our purchasing moment. Purchase the moment. Take hold of it. Take claim of ownership in it. God, thank you for calling your church at this time. That's what I'm excited about. Are we prepared to seize the day, church? Are we? Are we prepared to? Well, I know Strong Nation Church, I feel our next step is to, for us all to actually think about, okay, how do I redeem this time? 
This is the part of the new wineskin. How do I redeem this time in my life? Right now, many of you are meeting in house services. Thank God for that. It's great. Thank you. Everyone who has opened up your home for a house service, thank you. I pray double portion blessing over your home. I declare it right now like Obed-Edom in the Old Testament. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm believing though, I, I believe this may well be a prophecy. We're gonna need more homes. We're gonna need more homes. We're gonna need more uncomfortableness, untidiness because people come in and make it untidy a little bit. It's not the time to be sitting back saying, oh, but I wanna be comfortable. It's not a time to be sitting back saying, oh, I love it. Now, don't get me wrong. I can even hear the rain pouring on our roof right now and it's cold and wet and it'd be easy to keep the Ugg boots on and to keep my pyjamas on and just turn on the TV. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I would love that. But that's not the bride's way. Not in a time when time is to be redeemed. What if we were actually to think, okay, what can I do? How can we reach out? How many people right now in your street are lonely and wishing they had someone to talk to right now? Confused about society right now. What are we doing with them? Oh, but Pastor Rick, I enjoyed it too much. Whoa, 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 whoa. I enjoyed it. I enjoy relaxing. I enjoy my coffee. I agree. I love all that. But that's not redeeming the time. Redeeming the time is saying, Lord, what have you got for me right now? I'm ready to purchase it. I'm re- your church is ready. Your bride is ready. The danger of our time right now is that many of our church may be well sleeping. It's not the time to sleep. The bridesmaids were sitting and some of them had their candles ready. Some didn't. The others slept. They, they weren't ready. Are you ready? Because if he pours out new wine, we're gonna need a whole bunch more houses. We're gonna need a whole bunch more leaders. We're gonna need a whole bunch more people who will disciple these baby Christians. That's the new wine. I'm wondering what it will look like. I have no idea what it will look like. I have no idea. Don't wanna guess. But what I do know is the time to redeem. Church, you ready for it? Jesus actually made a comment. He was out working and healing so many, had compassion on him. He was tired. And he makes this comment, the harvest is white, but the workers are few. Do you know, my farming family has a background, my my farming, and if wheat is white, you better get that harvest off in the next couple of days or you've lost it. The harvest is white, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into the field. Do you know that word send in the Greek is a word called ekbalo. I love that word, ekbalo. If I have another son, maybe I'll call him ekbalo. Jess, Judah, Elijah, Solomon, Charlie, if you have a son, ekbalo. Ekbalo. Ekbalo is actually a very violent word. It's not, oh, look, I'm gonna, the, the Lord of the harvest just wants to take you out nicely if you want to. No, that's not what he's saying. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would ekbalo, that he would send them out. Sanders to violently grab them by the scruff and say, go on out there, come on, this is your day. Don't waste it, seize the day for you dead poet society fans. Seize the day. That's what Jesus is saying. The workers are few. 
Church, is this our moment? Is this the moment that we've been waiting for? I don't wanna be sleeping or sitting at home nice and comfortable under a blanket thinking that, yeah, maybe I should do something. No, this is our moment. I wanna ask you, church, what are you prepared to do for his kingdom? I get inspired by John F. Kennedy's inauguration speech in 1964. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Strong nation church, now is the time to ask not, what can the kingdom do for you? It's the time to ask, what can you do for the kingdom? This is our moment. Could we rise up and be the church that the world needs us to be right now? The one that has open arms, the one who'll take in the person who no one else will take in. The one who'll put their arm around the hurting and say, hey, I'm, I've got an answer for you. I'll pray for you. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. You do know that's why the Holy Spirit was given to us to be witnesses. Acts 1.8. I've got a question for you, church. What if your neighbour came up to you this week with really bad news? Would you know what to say to them? What if they came to you and said, we feel lost and we don't know what's going on in life? Would you know how to share some good news with them? Would you be prepared to? And even the following Sunday, welcome them into your home? We're making it easy with the live stream and I so appreciate our live stream team and the worship team who put this on for us on Sundays. Incredible, incredible, it's a miracle. Makes it easy for us to be able to do that. Would, would you do that? You gotta understand church, it's not about getting people into a church. I don't really care about that. What I care about is getting people into the kingdom. And that's what this is about. I think that's what the new church looks like, is that. Getting people into the kingdom so they expand, experience God's love. What if someone said to you, how do I find Jesus Christ? What would you do with that? Because you know that question leads to a lifestyle change for both the new Christian and the one discipling them. That's what it does. Are you prepared for it? because there's a spiritual enemy that doesn't want that to happen and he'll make it very hard. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, his power. So you can walk carefully before the Lord, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. You know, um, there's a man, a legendary man who a couple of weeks ago I noticed was watching our live stream from Mexico. His name's Pastor Ralph. Now, I've only ever heard of Pastor Ralph and um, he appears on our live feed saying, hey, it's Pastor Ralph from Mexico here and I know who he is and because uh, my friends know him very well and I understand he's actually watching with us right now and brother, I pray blessing over you in Mexico. I pray the favour of God over you. You inspire us here in Australia. He's a pastor of a church. He and his wife pastor a church in Mexico, planted it and doing a wonderful thing, great growth. And then something happens with the legal system um, where an accusation comes, which was not true. And he finds himself jailed for nine years, I understand. And um, that would have been pretty evil. The days are evil. That's pretty evil thought, don't you think? He finds himself in a prison in South America or Central America. And what does he do? He redeems the time. God, what do you want me to do? Why don't you start a church in here? 
My understanding is that there's hundreds of people who attend his church in jail there right now and he has favour of all the wardens. He wants to get out, but maybe the Lord's got a bigger purpose for him right now and I'd love his heart. Whatever glorifies the name of Jesus. Wow. Think about that next time you're having your ex-Benedict as you're watching TV or church. I'm inspired by you, Pastor Ralph. Thank you so much for serving our Saviour. Thank you so much for not giving up. Whatever the Lord intends with new wineskins, I know, brother, you're going to be able to see success happen around you because it's about the kingdom's success. That's what it's about. Church, how about you? Days are evil. Would you walk circumspectly? Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. We're going to finish off the service in a moment. I want to pray with you. But what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. I've got my communion stuff somewhere. Here it comes. Sorry. Here it is. I want you to find whatever you think might represent Jesus' body. For me, I have a choc chip cookie and something that may represent Christ's blood that was spilt for you. For me, it's coffee. And I don't think that's upsetting at all to the Lord because it's all about remembering what He's done. And I want to encourage you, every time you sit down for a meal, what a great time to remember. Just remember and thank Him for what He's done. But I'm going to ask you, if you've got your elements with you, it might be some fruit, it might be some bread, it might be some juice, it might even be some wine. But we're going to take this and what I'm going to do is we're going to share this together, this moment together to remember, but then we're going to, we're going to end the service and I'm going to hand over to the service leaders in the houses just to pray for needs. Maybe you're being challenged by this word and you say, yeah, could you just pray for me? I don't know what for, just pray for me. Maybe you've got a sickness or an illness or a circumstance. Maybe you need resource in your life or something. Well, the, as the body of Christ, I want our house services just to pray for each other, just for 10 minutes or so after we take this. And um, I believe that's what the church is meant to do. So Jesus took the bread and He broke it. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, I can only imagine what your body would have been like on that day, broken, smashed. But Lord, I thank you that you did that for us. I pray, Lord God, to remember that your body was broken for me. Thank you so much. Likewise, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. Life-giving blood. It contains life. He said, this represents that. Take this in remembrance of remembering what it's done. Well, Jesus, we remember your blood that was spilt for us, your stripes that we are healed by. Oh, the forgiveness 
Lord, the healing, the reconciliation. We are no longer judged guilty because of your blood. Thank you so much. Lord, we remember it right now as we take this element. Father, I lift up our church to you right now. You know every need. You know everyone's heart right now. Father, I pray a real blessing over every person. Help them to remember, Lord, that the favour of God is on them. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the service is over, but church continues. I'm going to hand it over to the service leaders just to pray for one another. God bless you. See you next week.